0: This is Bobby Hall, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Ed Roberts with a reminder that Greg Airbar is with us as we shift gears for this final segment. Ordinarily, Greg covers DVD releases related to music, film, and television. This week, however, Greg is going to tell us about a book he recently read about the life of game show host Gene Rayburn. I've said this several times over the last few months. When I was working on the Perry Mason book, I would I would do long hours and especially during the summer when there was not necessarily anything on that I wanted to watch, I would decompress by watching old episodes of The Match Game. And there is a documentary on Gene Rayburn, which I watched, which was very insightful. He he was a very different goodson todman host, because with goodson todman it was always about the game, and the host was sort of secondary to the game. Match Game was about the game, but it was also about Gene Rayburn.
1: Yes, and he and uh, Mark Goodson were at odds throughout the life of Match Game because uh, the adi- his attitude is this is a comedy show that's ba- that has a game, but it's not a particularly um, solid game. And Mark Goodson was focused on the game, focused on the game, and enough with this nonsense. But the show was a huge hit, gigantic hit.
0: It was and it was it was a, a, b- both in the seventies and in the sixties. It became a hit because they went beyond the game. I mean, and, and what, what what we think of match game, particularly in the nineteen the nineteen seventies version on CBS. You know, the the answers allowed invited themselves to be risque, and that was part of the fun. And you had, I mean, Jack Jack Klugman described Rayburn as a grown man. With a twelve-year-old sense of humor, you know. I mean, he kind of
1: sorta. Of, that's a good way to do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, he he could be he could be very juvenile, but that zaniness worked for that program.
1: Yeah. He it, the the interesting thing about his career is that uh, on the one hand, he may not have been all the things he wanted to be. He wanted to be an actor um, and do more than he did, um, but he was in the perfect show with the perfect group of people and he was the best host that could possibly be hosting this show under anybody else it would have been a different show and they have had other hosts it's just not the same and what he does is almost is not even necessarily uh, appreciated as much because you've got the crazy celebrities but he joined in you know i would love i loved it when he would like play around with the set Yes, <laughs> and, you know, sit on the edge or say this is styrofoam and stuff. You know, because when you're watching at home, you're you're just wondering what is all that thing. The turntable doesn't work, or that that sort of stuff is, is, is loads of fun. And today, game shows uh, with the few there are very very slick, highly edited. This was let's just have some fun, and and who cares? It's just a game.
0: And of course, for those who may not know, Gene Rayburn uh, began his career in radio uh, in New York in the late 40s, early 1950s, and with radio, especially if you do on like a daily one-hour show, a daily two-hour show, even if you are a disc jockey, which I believe Gene Rayburn was, I mean, you, you need to do some sort of extemporaneous banter in between playing records or in between doing messages from, from the sponsor. And so that also, that sense of play and improvisation served him well when the opportunity came to host the match game in the 60s and the 70s.
1: Yeah, I, I just finished reading this book, The Matchless Gene Rayburn by Adam Niedef. It's a very thick book, and you're thinking, all these pages for Gene Rayburn? But actually, when you finish, it's like, gee, I didn't know how much he accomplished and he, he, and especially in the early days, uh, he was one of the very first, if not the first, of the comedy morning show disc jockeys. He had a partner, and they played records, but they did they did funny bits, and they made fun of the records, and they made fun of the sponsors, and it, nothing was sacred to the point where they had they were the biggest radio sensation. They were the, the kings of New York at the time. I mean, they were just the thing. Everybody listened to them. It's sort of like Howard Stern.
0: The form that Rayburn made popular in New York, Bob Crane was also making popular in Connecticut, and then later he would bring that whole sense of style to Los Angeles. And so certainly Bob Crane and Gene Rayburn were sort of the uh, pioneers of what we would call personality radio which made which which we now see in the form of howard stern
1: yeah and they also were the forerunners of what radio became because this is coming in just after radio drama and comedy were sort of dying out because of television and they had to figure out what to do with radio and just playing records wasn't enough for everyone and so yeah it was the personalities it was the stunts the contests the 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 wacky characters that they made up and the personal appearances and all of that. So it was an evolution that whether he was first or not, um, he was certainly around when it was happening.
0: Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Ed Robertson, hoping you're enjoying this encore presentation of TV Confidential. We'll be back with a brand-new edition of the program next week. I know that uh, The matchless Gene Rayburn is a Bear Manor media book. What's the name of the author again? Adam
1: Niedes, N-E-D-E-S-S.
0: Is there anything else you want to say about the Rayburn book?
1: Well, just that um, he is a complicated man. His daughter is interviewed a lot in the book, and uh, she loves him, but they had an interesting, not necessarily the most affectionate relationship, um, it somehow worked. They were kind of a family. Um, he was very much an Easterner. He did not want to move to Los Angeles. That may have been another reason why he kind of stayed in what he was doing. He went out to do match game, but he loved Cape Cod and he loved New England. Yeah, no, and New York City.
0: That's right. And, you know, he would fly to L.A. You know, every you know twice a month to do his weekend taping. But no, he but he he li- he lived in Martha's Vineyard. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs>
1: Also, uh, was the uh, the sidekick with Steve Allen on The Tonight Show? That's right. Uh, That's right. Uh, not not as well known, and he was very successful at that too. The interesting thing about Match Game and and, and all, it, even though Gene Rayburn is no longer with us, whatever he might have agonized about where his career might have gone, and he certainly, though he had some lean times, he certainly ended up doing fairly well from this. Um, he, match Game is a lot like Dark Shadows. You don't rerun soap operas, and you don't always rerun game shows. Now, they do rerun them, you know, on on Game Show Network now and on on uh, Buzzer. But the Match Game is still the the most popularly rerun one because somehow it just keeps playing because it isn't really about the game; it's just about there is a crazy
0: there is a timelessness, especially to the seventies one. You know, um, I mean, yes, some some of the some of the. Some of the super matches are are dated and some of the some of the answers are you know or of the era but for the most part there is a timelessness to the 1970s match game which is uh Steve Beverly the TV historian he used to be part of the game show Congress Steve Beverly if I, if I remember correctly is interviewed in the documentary that, that the game show channel uh, network made on the match game and he talks about how kids, he teaches college, and he teaches, he teaches at a college, and he mentions how, how students today are bonding over 40-year-old episodes of the match game. So there, there, there is some that, that's remarkable that a 40-year-old game show can still reach new audiences.
1: Yeah, and who would, have, who would have dreamed that it would be something that could be? Because it really isn't about who wins. It really isn't about anything except that it, it sounded like this little party. In, in a way, it's the sort of thing that Mark Goodman liked about his other shows, but they were more elegant. He wanted it to seem like an elegant dinner party where, oh, let's play a game. You know, Arlene, Kitty, you know, isn't this exquisite? Well, the match game was a little raunchier than that. It was a little rougher than that. Well, but it, it still was a party. You know, it was like a party.
0: Although it's it's, it's interesting, when you watch some of the – Early, 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 early CBS shows, it's a little stiff. Yeah. It, it's a little stiff. And, and it look, it takes any it any show, it takes a few weeks for it to find its footing and you find out what works and what doesn't work and which guests do better than – I mean, some guests do better than others. So it's – it's I, I won't say it's boring, but it's – you watch some of the first – couple of weeks of the 1973 match game it's a little slow
1: (laughs) well that was the Dicky Bartolo anyway he was the one who who said what if we put in some kind of a funny one and the show wasn't doing well anyway and they thought they were going to go off so they just gave it a shot and it just worked it just was because the game really wasn't that strong of a game so it was the the innuendo and the unpredictability of what people would write sometimes the the contestants were like and, and Gene Rayburn would say to the contestants, you know, you're so dumb or something. And you didn't hear game show hosts do that. I mean, Bob Barker could be a little acerbic, untrue the consequences, but Gene Rayburn sometimes would yell at the audience, you know, and stuff in fun. But still, it was very different, very deconstructional before David Letterman and before shows that did all the time.
0: Yeah, and that, and, and that, and that's, as a viewer, that is part of the appeal of... The match game, at least the CBS match game, which um, you know of, of, of I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen clips of some of the 1960s one, and it's 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 a different sort of vibe. But it, but the 1970s match game, that that definitely was like a cocktail party.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's loads of fun, and, and when the the chemistry is great, the chemistry is amazing, and when they change people around once in a while, you do you do feel the difference. Um, uh, and and I, I'm sure you know this, too, that the, the seating arrangements of the panel were specific. You know, they were cast that a certain kind of person would be sitting in each thing. I mean, you had Brett Summers' chair, and you had Charles Nelson Rowley's and Richard Dawson's, but they had almost always put Fanny Flagg and Betty White in the very bottom right because they, they wanted to have somebody, first of all, who was a good game player that might win it for the contestant, but if they didn't, they were likable enough so that you wouldn't be mad
0: at them right, because by the time you get to number six, everything has already been said, so you 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 want you want you want someone who even if they're not a match, you know that they might still come up with an interesting answer,
1: yeah, yeah, and you can't get mad at Betty White, she, yeah, she't you know, she's Betty
0: white, you can't get mad at Betty White, you can't get mad at Fanny Flagg, you can't get mad at Brett, but she did that was that was her by design, interesting enough. When Brett did her first show, she did not sit in the number two seat. She sat in the fourth seat.
1: And I think, wasn't it because her husband, Jack, said, you know who would be great on the show is my wife? Yeah. And, you know, I, cause I, was, I didn't know that. And I always wondered, you know, she's not terribly well-known, and now she's on it more than him, but she just clicked.
0: Well, she, was, she did a lot of stage work. You know, I mean, she did television, but she was, I think she was mostly a stage actress. And, uh, but she became well-known because of the match game.
1: Also, um, he was very good friends with Bert Tilstrom, Gene Rayburn was, and uh, he appeared on Kukla, Fran, and Ollie on those uh, DVDs that, um, that I love. You had the gentleman on to put those together. Oh, yes. The uh, episode, uh, <laughs> he, he's on that, and, and that's why uh, uh, Kukla and Ollie were on Match Game.
0: Yeah, Kukla, as, as I recall, they were on near the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, which was cool. It was so neat. It was cool. Well, it's always
0: neat to talk to you, uh, whether it's about DVDs or TV-related books at just the Matchless Gene Rayburn, which Greg recently read. It's available through Bear Manor Media. And of CartoonResearch.com, Animationscoop.com, GregAvision.Blogspot.com. Greg, we'll see you again soon. Ed Robertson, with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will next week. This stage of time, we will play part two of our conversation with Laugh-In staff writer Jim Abell. Plus, we will welcome back longtime television director Howard Storm. We hope you join us for that. In the meantime, Ed Robertson, about the 25th row with Donna Allen, Phil Grace, and Greg airbar Thank you so much for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. We'll talk to you next time on TV Confidential. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear,